If you're feeling overwhelmed by clutter, whether it be physical or mental clutter, I invite you to join me for my free five-day challenge called Re-Energize Your Home. We'll be meeting from June 3rd through June 9th for this amazing challenge where you will discover the power of shifting your mindset, the power of managing your energy, and having true support for your efforts. Let's help you reclaim control of your life and your space in just five days. All you need to do to join us in this free challenge is to go to maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. Again, that's maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. I can't wait to work with you and I'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Make Time for Success podcast. This is episode number 114. Are you currently feeling overwhelmed by everything you have to do every day? Are you also itching to start doing more of what really lights you up? My special guest today, Tanya Dalton, has got you covered. While I interviewed her, I realized one of her special talents, she's got many, is bringing the reality of everyday life and merging it with the possibility that exists within us to build a big and very meaningful future. Tanya is a best-selling author, motivational speaker, and nationally recognized productivity expert. She helps female executives and entrepreneurs step into purposeful leadership. Tanya's books have been translated into eight languages around the world. Her first book, The Joy of Missing Out, was named a top 10 business book of the year by Fortune Magazine. Her podcast, The Intentional Advantage, has received millions of downloads from listeners around the world. She's a featured expert on several networks, including NBC and Fox, and is a VIP contributor for entrepreneur.com. Tanya is considered a thought leader in purposeful productivity and leadership by some of the world's leading publications, including Forbes, Fast Company, Inc., and Real Simple. Tanya is also the founder of Inkwell Press Productivity Company, a multi-million dollar company providing tools that work as a catalyst in helping women to do less while achieving maximum success. I think you're going to love Tanya's enthusiasm, her wisdom, and her verb. She's just got so much to offer us all. So let's go listen to this episode together now. Hi, I'm Dr. Christine Lee, and I'm a psychologist and a procrastination coach. I've helped thousands of people move past procrastination and overwhelm so they could begin working to their potential. In this podcast, you're going to learn powerful strategies for getting your mind, body, and energy to work together so that you can focus on what's really important and accomplish the goals you want to achieve. When you start living within your full power, you're going to see how being productive can be easy and how you can create success on demand. Welcome to the Make Time for Success podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have the pleasure of meeting myself, Tanya Dalton, our special guest for today. And I'm so excited for this episode because Tanya, first of all, is completely lovely We've been navigating some tech issues before we got on today, and we've been helping each other out, getting to know each other just accidentally like that. But also, Tanya is a productivity expert, a very well-known, very accomplished 
best-selling author type of productivity coach. And so I can't wait to learn from her today. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's It's been so lovely because, I mean, this is a perfect example of how we get off track, right? With things like tech issues and we give that grace to each other. And it's, oh, this is what life is like. It can be messy at times, but we get back to it. Yes, yes. And that is really a key of being productive, right? That you can tolerate when we're moving roundabout, but that you know where you're coming back to. Can you start us off with that theory of yours, that belief of yours, that we really have to set our goals in a very specific, purposeful way? Yes. Well, I think so often that's that's one of the mistakes that we make a lot of times when it comes to setting our goals or our New Year's resolutions is we're not setting the right goals. And by right, I don't mean, hey, I'm going to give you a list of these are the right goals and these are the wrong goals, because the right goals is really unique for you. But so often what we do is we look around and we see what everybody else is doing. Oh, this person over here is doing this, so I should do it too. Or, oh, I see that this person's doing these amazing things. I want more of that, so I should do what they're doing. Or this is what my parents said that they wanted for me to do, so I'm doing this, right? We're doing things for other people as well. And so we're not really setting the right goals for ourselves. So the first step is really understanding where is it you want to go? And that's, to me, really what living on purpose is about. Purpose is such a big, heavy, weighted word. And I think so often we're like, oh gosh, it's like purpose. When really living on purpose is about living bigger than today. It's looking out on that horizon and seeing a bright, beautiful future and then moving towards that each and every day. That's really when we feel amazing and productive, when we're making steps towards something bigger, something that we actually desire. And that's when motivation, that's when, you know, all that excitement stays with us. That's a beautiful, uplifting description, honestly. <laughs> um, may I ask, you know, I'm going to go here. Have you always felt this way? Has this always been a natural pathway for you where you're thinking big, you're thinking, what is the next thing that's bright and shiny on my path? Yeah, I would always say that I've, I've always been kind of a bigger thinker. I started my first business in 2008 with $50 and zero business experience. Uh, and I've grown that business to multi-millions, right? And so I've always had these big, broad visions, but I wouldn't say I've always done a great job of being productive in getting there. A lot of times I spent time doing things that didn't really fulfill me. In fact, for me, a big turning point, honestly, was I had four minutes of my life that totally shifted how I looked at productivity. And I was stirring a pot of spaghetti. And the four minutes happened, actually. I was stirring a pot of spaghetti. And at the time I had two small kids that were playing at my feet or rather attached to my legs. You know, we've all kind of been there. And I've had a busy day, all these things that I've done. I've run myself ragged. I'm exhausted. And I hear the garage door open. And so I know my husband is home and I think, oh my gosh, thank goodness he's home because relief is here. I can now get more done. That's the thinking, not relief. Like I get a break, like, oh good. Now I can still accomplish the 3 million other things on my list. And he doesn't come in. My husband doesn't come in the door. I wait a minute. He doesn't come in. Two minutes. I'm getting angry. I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, where is he? Why is he not coming in? He knows I'm waiting for him. I stomp over to the garage. I throw the door open and he's out there. And he's laughing in his car to some bit on the radio. Just laughing and enjoying himself. 
And I was so mad. And I thought to myself, how dare he do that? How dare he give himself this time? I would never do that. And I was like, oh, I would never do that. I wouldn't give myself like four minutes to sit in the car and transition from work to to home. I wouldn't give myself four minutes to laugh to the radio. And that's when I began to realize my idea of productivity was all wrong. It was really about doing all the things, checking all the boxes, looking good to everybody else who felt like I had it all together. Meanwhile, I was just putting out fires left and right, struggling to, to make sure that nobody saw my mask slip and saw that I wasn't perfect. And so that moment for me was when I stepped back and I realized productivity isn't about doing more. It's doing what's most important. And that put me on a whole different path where it really is about, okay, if that's true, what is most important? And so it really became this idea of how do I align my daily actions with what is truly important? Looking out at that big, bright, beautiful future I dream of and making sure my actions for today are really aligned with that, not chasing my tail doing 5 million things because it looks good for everybody else or it fits other people's expectations of who I should be. That's a great story. I'm really happy that that didn't end up with some sort of catastrophic result because I was <laughs> luckless. There's a lot of suspense in the way you were telling your story, but I'm really happy that your husband was just having fun in the car. And that we are you, still married. Yeah. I still love him. <laughs> I just wasn't feeling the love in that moment. So yes. we've been together like 24 years. We're good. <laughs> and I'm thinking that every mother listening to that story has some sort of really vivid memory of feeling something similarly. Perhaps if it was not the partner or the husband, that it was some sort of turning point where that applying yourself and applying yourself and giving of yourself, that there had to be some sort of outer limit to mm-hmm. behaving that way because it's just unhealthy for the woman. It's unhealthy for the person to be yeah. continuing to chase and to stretch and to to stress. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're wearing ourselves thin. And to be honest with you, we're not our best version of who we are when we're stretching ourselves so thin. I'm not the best wife, mother, friend, neighbor, community member. I'm just not. None of us are. We're irritable. We're snappish. We take it out on on the people we love the most. And I think a lot of times what's happened is we've been sold this like bill of goods that that aren't even real, that it's like, okay, first you do this. First you go to high school, then you go to college, then you get a job, then you get married, then you, right? And we follow this roadmap that who knows who created this roadmap thinking that, okay, at some point on this roadmap, I'm going to be happy. Okay, one day when I, you know, make a certain level of, of money or one day when I retire or one day when I meet the right person, we're always searching for this one day And the truth is no one's path is perfectly straight. No one has this like perfectly like you check off all the things and then it happens. And yet we're kind of told that that's what you're supposed to do. And so we live our lives just kind of of fighting time like it's this angry bear thinking, okay, happiness is there somewhere. And the truth is I truly believe joy and happiness are right there in our everyday life. It's hidden in the cracks and the crevices of the mess. It's really clearing away the clutter and it's seeing it and embracing it and living in it fully. And we we can't do that 
with all that clutter, with all that extraness on our to-do list, with all those things that are weighing us down that aren't really aligned with what we want or even who we truly in our heart of hearts want to be. Beautiful. I absolutely agree. As someone who helps people to recover from being cluttered and being a clutterer myself, I absolutely agree about that excess piece. May I ask, how do you coach people to be comfortable with having less to do, if that Mm, makes sense? No, it makes total sense because we've all had that moment. I want you to think about, have you ever had that moment where you've checked the things off your list and maybe you have five minutes and you're like, hold on, wait, this can't be right. Like, why? how do I have five minutes to myself? We're slightly unsettled as if having white space is this bad thing. And the truth is, we falsely believe that if we aren't busy, we're somehow failing, that we are supposed to be busy. And so often we're looking for our own value. We're looking for our own worth in the doing, in the achievement. And the truth is you are already worthy just by being there. You've already earned value just by being you. It's not in the doing, it's in the being. It's being you, right? And so there is a little bit when you start to do less, where you feel a little bit uncomfortable, like, shouldn't I be doing this? And should and have to, those are two of my red flag words. If you're saying I should be doing something, that's a perfect time to stop and say, why? Why should I be doing that? Because a lot of times it's tied to some story that we have, some story about what the perfect person should be doing, right? A good mom does this. An excellent boss never does these things. It's almost always in absolutes. And it's always a bar that's so high, no one could actually achieve it, right? But we feel like we should be doing these things and then we feel guilty. So we overpack and we cram our day full because we're trying to, to earn our value, to earn our worth. And so it is this idea of becoming more comfortable. I think you can think of it this way. You know, because a lot of times, especially in our society, we think about the number of things. I want to check as many things off my list as possible. Okay, so let's say I said to you, I want you to take 50 steps, any direction you want. If you took 50 steps, all different directions, forwards, backwards, diagonal, where are you going to end up? Well, you might end up in the same spot. You might end up further behind from where you were, right? Who knows where you're going to end up? But if instead I said, take five steps, just five steps, five steps in a forward direction, where are you going to end up? Closer to where you want to go. It's not about the 50. It's about the five. It's the intentionality behind them. And that's why so often we're busy all day long, right? We're checking a thousand things off our list. We're running around. We're tired and exhausted. We fall into bed. And then we think to ourselves, oh, why didn't I get more done? Even though we were busy all day long. It's because We're taking the 50 steps in 50 different directions instead of taking the five intentional steps, the smaller steps that have more meaning. When we do work that matters, when it's aligned to that big, bright, beautiful future we dream about, that's when we go to bed and we go, today felt amazing. Gosh, I did great things today. And that's a good question. That's a good check-in. I want your listeners to think to themselves, when's the last time I went to bed and thought to myself, wow, I did great today. Because if it's been more than a day or two, you are, you're chasing your tail. You're putting way too many things on your to-do list. You're packing your day full. Try doing fewer things that matter. And that's when you're going to go, ah, oh, I'm amazing. Today was amazing. 
there's a lot of satisfaction in life that happens when you do that. I love it. I would love that feeling for our audience. Absolutely. Going to bed, not feeling like there's about to be a spillover that happens with the things that haven't gotten done and that your sleep is disrupted because you wake up in a panic or feeling like you forgot something and waking up feeling unrested because everything just has to roll into the next day too. So I would love our listeners to take note. Absolutely. May I hop back a little bit and ask you about thinking big? Because since that's a naturally given skill that you have, which is terrific, can you give our listeners advice for how to think really big? Because I've noticed that I think myself sometimes, but other people as well, just think it's just such an unfamiliar habit. And even when asked to do so, there's some difficulty. So can you give us some tips for how to make that easier? Yes, absolutely. Because I think too, the other thing is when we think big, we can scare ourselves. It can feel really daunting. And we can start to ask that question, who am I to do these things? It's so easy to start leaning into these questions of, I I don't even know what I'm doing. That's never going to happen. And then you just abandon it. So what I like to tell people to do, and this is what I call cathedral thinking. So cathedral thinking is based off the idea that in like the 1100s, the 1200s, the city planners and the architects and the designers, they got together and they wanted to build these beautiful cathedrals like the Duomo in Florence or Notre Dame, right? And they wanted to build these beautiful buildings that would stand the test of time. They knew on the day they broke ground, they were never going to see that building finished. The Duomo in Florence took 500 years to build. It's about legacy work. It's about thinking so much bigger and broader than just today. So looking off into that future and thinking, okay, what is my cathedral? What's my potential in 10 years, 20 years down the road? What could be like something big and audacious and huge that I think would be amazing? Okay, that's your potential. Ooh, that feels really far away. That feels really daunting, right? Well, if we think of it like a timeline, like you're here on one end of the timeline and this cathedral, this potential all the way at the other end of the timeline, let's back the timeline up and get it closer. If that's your potential, let's say in 10 years, what do you think is possible in three to five years? Okay, well, if that's what's possible to get me to that cathedral in three to five years, that's still pretty far away. Let's back it up a little bit more. What is possible? What could I possibly do in the next 12 months, the next 18 months that would get me to that cathedral? Okay, If that's what's possible in 12 to 18 months, what do I need to prioritize? What do I need to really focus in on for the next three months, six months, nine months? Those priorities, those are actually your goals because those are the goals to get you to the cathedral that you want, right? No matter what it is, because you've created this timeline for yourself, those goals are tied to that. So when you achieve a goal, you're going to be more motivated and excited to take the next step because you know you're getting closer and closer to that bright, beautiful future that you dream about. So that's one of the ways that we can start to really think big without frightening ourselves. Love it. So thinking about the future, perhaps even past what we might be able to see, but having also the comfort of knowing that it is approachable and that that can be part of our daily joy, that we could insert that into our schedule instead of just having random tasks be cluttering our day. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and this is a thing by thinking about 
10 or 20 years down the road, you're untethering yourself from the limitations of today. I don't know how to do these things. Well, 10 or 20 years from now, you will know how to do those things, right? You're a totally different person than you were 10 to 20 years ago. You have, you know, all you have a whole like backpack full of knowledge you gather together along the way. So it's so much easier to really separate yourself from your limitations of today when we dream 10 to 20 years down the road. And I think that's what's really powerful because you know, maybe your goal is that you want to be CEO of a big Fortune 500 company. And today you're sitting in a cubicle, right? With the fluorescent lights buzzing overhead. That seems really far apart. But if you think, well, that's my potential. All right. Well, in three to five years, I probably want to make sure that I'm running a seven-figure company in three to five years. Okay. So then you're backing that up again. If, if that's what's going to happen in three to five years, a year from now, I need to make sure that I have started my business, I've gotten my client list going, right? And then you could prioritize. Okay, if those are the things I need to do, I want to get really clear on what I'm selling, who I'm selling to, right? So do you see how easy it is to start to back up? I want to run a giant company all the way back to, all right, right now, all I need to worry about is what am I going to sell? Or what's my product? Or who am I selling it to? So it makes these tiny steps so much easier. I think we get so caught up in the giant leaps of life, that we think that where we are today and where we want to go, there's this giant chasm between them, like the Grand Canyon. And we think somehow we got to figure out how to make a running jump across that chasm, right? Or we got to build a jetpack to get over there. And we don't know how to do that. The truth is, if you were to put one foot in front of the other and walk your way down the canyon walls of the Grand Canyon, you can cross the Grand Canyon in a day. It's done on a regular basis. It's the tiny steps, it's the little steps, it's the daily steps that are small, that sometimes feel itty-bitty, but they start to make that difference. They get you closer and closer and closer. Those five steps are incredibly powerful. Beautiful. I totally agree with everything you say since the beginning of this recording. I love it. I happen to know two people who have traversed the Grand Canyon in the past year, which I think is bonkers, but I agree with you. It is doable in the course of a day. And as you're talking, I find myself wondering, what do you do maybe personally, or what do you suggest for your clients and customers to do in terms of paying attention to the self so that you have some real accuracy about what is in alignment, what is actually going to work for the person, what's not going to feel completely terrifying and just throw everybody off course. Right. Yeah. Well, we ought, we want to make sure when we're thinking about that big, beautiful cathedral, that it's something that we want and not something that has been planted there by society or our parents who have big dreams for us. They mean well, but sometimes it's really not aligned with who we end up being. Right. And that's true for a lot of people. So I like to say you have to look backwards in order to move forwards. So I really think a great place to start diving into and digging into, if you want to get clear on where it is you want to go, is looking at your childhood, uh, really focusing in on who you were when you were younger, before that heavy you know, weight of adulthood, when you started worrying about the bills or paying the mortgage or those kinds of things. When you were a kid, when you were under the age of 13, anything was possible. I mean, let me just say that again, everything was possible. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a Martian. I want to be Wonder Woman, right? So what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you want to be president? Did you want to be, you know, a professional softball player? Did you want to, why did you want those things? Let's say that you wanted to be Wonder Woman. 
Okay. Well, maybe you don't want to become Wonder Woman in real life. Although the invisible plane does sound like a nice little <laughs> added bonus. Uh-huh. What? Ask yourself, why? Why did I want to be Wonder Woman? Was it because she stood for truth and justice? Was it because she inspired a whole generation of young girls? Was it because of, you know, the way that she she interacted with people and she stood for things? Why did you want to be Wonder Woman? Or why did you want to be president? Same thing with the activities you did as a kid. Why did you love those activities? Not the piano lessons that your mom dragged you to, but the activities that you got excited about. So maybe it was something like softball, right? Okay, so maybe becoming a professional softball player isn't in your 20-year plan, but ask that question, why? Why did I love softball? Was it the team aspect? Was it moving my body? Was it, you know, what was it that you really loved? Get to the heart of why you love the things you do and why you were motivated as a child. Those things are still inside of you. We just lose sight of them as we start to adult because we think they're silly or we think they're frivolous. Or what happens is we go to junior high and we stop asking questions, right? We ask tons of questions when we're a kid. We stop asking questions because we worry about what everybody else is going to think. We start changing the way we dress, changing the way we interact with ourselves and others because we worry about what everybody else is thinking. So go back to who you were when you didn't care, when you were just you. That's how you can really tap into some of that. I think it's really powerful. And we all have a history, right? So it's easy to time travel, get in your DeLorean time machine, travel back in time, revisit who you were and start to see, you'll start to see these threads and you'll start to see these themes that are emerging. When, when I do this, a lot of times with people, like we write them out and we start writing them out on just like, you know, index cards. And then you start gathering them together and you'll start to see, oh, these things kind of fit together and these things fit together. That's how you'll start to see, oh, this is the heart of who I really am without worrying about what everybody else thinks of me. Gotcha. I am amazed at your enthusiasm and just the way you put everything together. It's your energy is really bright and lovely. So I just wanted to share that with you. I'm sure you've been given that feedback. I do wonder what kind of confidence issues might you have struggled with? along the way oh, well, on your I own mean, journey. <laughs> because yeah. I see you and it's just like, you've got the strategies, you've got the energy, you've got the vision and you're helping people. And mm-hmm. I think this is just my natural curiosity where I'm always just like, where did they begin from? Yeah, well, I have to be honest with you. I am so passionate about what I do and what I talk about because it's so aligned. So it's easy to feel motivated. It's easier to be excited to talk about it because, gosh, I just want everybody to feel excited about what they get to do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And we all get to choose. I think we forget that we get to choose. A lot of times we'll say like, oh, I could never do that. Well, who owns your calendar, right? Your boss doesn't own your calendar. Your kids don't own your calendar. Your spouse doesn't. So taking that ownership, I think, is really helpful and important. But, you know, honestly, we all struggle with confidence, all of us from time to time. Even the most confident people struggle from time to time. I have a I have a graphic in my book, my second book on purpose about imposter syndrome, and it's a pie chart. And it's completely filled because it says, you know, it's people who have experienced imposter syndrome is this amount, the number of people who have in the past and the number who will. And it fills up the entire pie. We all either had it or experiencing it right now, or we will in the future. Even like amazing people like Meryl Streep. I talk about her in my book, She thinks to herself, who's going to show up to watch my movies? I'm not even that great. 
And she's like the most nominated, <laughs> you know, for Oscars out of any of the actors. So we all have those moments. It's not about looking for confidence externally and outside sources, because I think a lot of times we feel like we have to have the buy-in from other people. And we don't need anyone's buy-in, but your own. The truth is, when you go after big goals and dreams, especially if you're making big shifts, you are not going to get buy-in, especially from the people who love you. And that is not because they don't love you. It's because they do love you. Our family members, a lot of times, they want us to be safe. They know what we've done in the past has allowed us to survive. We've done okay. We may not be ecstatically happy, but they know it keeps us safe. It pays the bills or it does whatever it needs to do. And so when we step out of that, they become afraid for us. So they can sometimes push back and say, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. Or they can come across as unsupportive. I would say if you're experiencing that in your own life, take it as a sign that they love you so much. They want to keep you safe. They are not your people to go to for this support on this particular thing. Go to another group, join a community of people who are also pursuing something in a similar vein And that's where you can build in that motivation, right, from external sources. But I think there's a lot to be said with that internal motivation, that self-trust that we have to build in ourselves. And I think a lot of times people say, I just don't have the willpower. I just don't have the discipline. Discipline and willpower are so overrated. I kind of equate them to pictures of white couches on Pinterest. So let me, let me explain that because that's like, what? I look on Pinterest and I see these beautiful living rooms with these white couches and I think, oh, that's what I want. I think that would be so beautiful in my house. And then I remember I have a dog. I have a cat. I have two kids. We like to have popcorn on the couch. That white couch would stress me out. I don't really want that. It just looks really good. What I really want is a comfortable living room, right? So don't worry about being disciplined. Don't let go of that. Start creating a couple of really small, easy habits. Let's say that you feel like you aren't motivated, you know, with organization and you're, oh, I'm so unorganized. I'm the worst, right? We're doing all this negative self-talk. Okay. What's something so simple, easy that you could do to show yourself, to prove to yourself that you're, you are organized. Maybe it's taking 90 seconds to make your bed. The way most of us make our beds nowadays, 90 seconds. So you think, okay, I can do that, right? So you leave the pillows blocking the way to the to the bathroom so that when you get up in the morning, you're like, ah, I got to put the pillows away. So you make your bed, right? So you start making your bed. Every time you walk in your bedroom, you think, oh, look at that. I love the way this looks, right? It feels good when you walk into a room where the bed is made. Before long, you're no longer a person who's unorganized. You're a person who makes the bed every day. That's a small, little, tiny piece of self-trust. So then it becomes, I make the bed and then I do the next thing. I put away my clothes and we start to build this self-trust step by step by step. And that's how we begin to have that confidence in ourselves. So yes, you can get it externally, but it's so important to get it internally as well. Beautiful. I think it's so good. These micro habits and just encouraging yourself is already miles better than torturing yourself, criticizing yourself, saying I'm lazy as a piece mm-hmm. of identity that you wake up to every morning, that anything really can be changed. And I see that attitude in how you work and how you describe your work. 
and your enthusiasm and mentioning the Duomo, which is magnificent. <laughs> I saw it just this summer. And really, I, I didn't really know the history, but it, it is magnificent to craft your life on purpose, to not get mm-hmm. upset when people are laughing in the car <laughs> for four minutes, <laughs> to really put some thought into how you want to feel, which I know is is really at the at the core of what you do. So thank you for sharing your message, your mission, your work. Can you please let us know how our audience can stay with you, can learn more from you, maybe join some group work with you? Please let us know. Absolutely. So I mean, one of the easiest ways, if we're talking about how to make things really easy, you're listening to this podcast right now, Whatever podcast player you're listening to, as soon as this ends, just do a search for my name, Tanya Dalton, or my podcast is called The Intentional Advantage. We have 200, almost 300 episodes of the podcast up. So there's a whole archive of episodes uh, there. And you can also find me at tanyadalton.com where you can find links to both of my books. My books are available anywhere books are sold, Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon, of course, And you can find anything and everything about me where I speak and all of those things at tanyadalton.com. Thank you so much. We didn't get to talk about your first book, but I did want to mention the title because I find it so fascinating. I want to go find it. It's called The Joy of Missing Out. Do you want to say a few words about that particular concept too? Oh, yes. Because I love The Joy of Missing Out. It was my first book. And it really, it was actually named a top 10 business book of the year, which is quite an accomplishment for someone who never took a business course in college. Congratulations. Uh, That's great. Thank you. Well, what's amazing is it's not even a book about business. It's really a book about life and how we can move through our lives with that intentionality. So it's really about creating the structure and the frameworks, how we can find joy in choosing to say no and actively missing out on all that clutter on all that noise, on all that obligation that we feel is pushed upon us. I really do believe there's so much joy, so much happiness in our everyday lives. So let's find that joy in choosing to miss out. I love it. I'm glad I didn't miss out on interviewing you. I hope (laughs) and know that our audience is really feeling the same. Um, Thank you for sharing all of this, your energy and your love and your brain and your history with us on today's show. Thank you so much for being here, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. I I truly do love talking about what I'm lucky enough to get to do. And I just, I really want more people to feel as excited about everyday life as I feel. Terrific. Let's do this. All right, everyone. I will see you next Thursday for another episode of these great conversations with special guests and talk about how to make your everyday life more yours, more valuable, more enjoyable more aligned. I love it. Thank you so much, Tanya. And everyone, I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make Time for Success podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard, you can subscribe to make sure you get notified of upcoming episodes. You can also visit our website, maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com for past episodes, show notes, and all the resources we mentioned on the show. Feel free to connect with me over on Instagram too. You can find me there under the name Procrastination Coach. Send me a DM and let me know what your thoughts are about the episodes you've been listening to. And let me know any topics that you might like me to talk about on the show. I'd love to hear all about how you're making time for success. Talk to you soon.